Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word that we will meditate on this morning was read from Revelation chapter 5. They lived in a one-bedroom house uh, on the beach of the Caribbean Sea. Their home was made of wood, tar paper, and a little metal on the roof. They had no running water, no refrigerator. They, they were living there because they were taking care of a property for somebody else. Their food was still out there for the next week, was still out there swimming in the ocean. This was a family to whom I had the privilege of, of proclaiming the gospel. And, and as I got to know this family, I realized there were so many differences in, in the way that, that they lived, in the food that they ate, but even the, the language that they spoke. And, and I wondered, what do I have in common with this family and, and their six children living in this shack? And yet, the more that I got to know them and share God's word with them, the more I realized that we really did have in common. And so a couple months later, we stood there together on the beach, and they were ready to baptize their six children. We had come to realize that we shared together a problem, a common problem of sin, and the result of sin, which is death. And there in the water of baptism, in the word of that sacrament, God was going to bring to them the gifts that Jesus, the Son of God, won on the cross. And so with some water and the words, Yo te bautizo en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo, I, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the, the people that I thought I had nothing in common with became my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and so the, this morning, as we think about mission work and Jesus redeeming people from every tribe, language, people, and nation, we're going to realize that all people together really have a, a common fear of the future, the common problem of sin, and the inevitable res result of sin, death. And what unites Christians of every tribe, language, people, and nation, which is the blood of Jesus Christ, is way stronger than the things that divide us. And so, by God's grace this morning, we'll see that Christians of all nations are united by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. One thing that I just mentioned that, that all cultures, every tribe, language, people, and nation have in common is a general fear and nervousness about the future. Maybe you felt that way as, as you watch things unraveling in our world and war in the Middle East, war in Ukraine, and all sorts of other issues going on that could cause issues in now and in our future. And yet this is a universal problem. When you go to other cultures, you'll find other cultures where, where they deal with this by going and practicing things like going to people that will read their cars or having their stars read 
or, or paying people to, to speak with the dead, to, to have an idea of what might be happening in their future. Things that God forbids, but people are looking for answers. The Apostle John, in our lesson, who had the revelation in, in the book of Revelation, also wanted to know what was going on in the future. You see, he was separated from churches and Christians that he had loved because he was an exile on an island. And many of the Christians with whom he had shared the gospel now were suffering persecution. And he wanted to know what, what's going to happen. And so at the beginning of our lesson, he said he saw a scroll that had writing on both sides and that was sealed with seven seals. We know from the rest of the book that this scroll contained things that were going to happen in the future. But we know that the future, the details of it at least, to us are a closed book and known only to God. And so this scroll that was going to contain things of the future was sealed with seven seals. And John said he wept and he wept because no one, only God, can reveal the future. And he wanted to know what was happening and it was closed to him. But then somebody told him, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and break its seals. Do you recognize who that is? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that's Jesus Christ. He is the son of God, and so he is able to reveal some of the details of the future. And that's what he did as, as the book goes on. But these words for us, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, take us back, those words, the lion of the tribe of Judah, take us back about 3,900 years ago to the Middle East when Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, was blessing his 12 sons. And he said to his son Judah, you are a lion's cub, Judah. And the scepter will not depart from Judah until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. That was a promise that Old Testament believers realized was a promise of the Messiah, the coming Savior into the world. And those next words, the root of David, would remind the, the, the readers of the promise that God made to King David about 1,000 years before Jesus, that the, that the Savior, the Messiah, would come from the family line of David. And of course, the people waited on this until when 2,000 years ago, Jesus from the tribe of Judah was born in the town of David from the family line of David in Bethlehem. And, and so as we look at these words, God would have us say, as you look into the future and into the unknown things that are there, God wants you to look at confidence of, of how he in the past has carried out history so that not one of his promises will fail. If you read through the Old Testament, if you become familiar with the history of the Old Testament, it is nothing short of a miracle that God continued that line of the Savior in the family line of Judah through David and, and all the way to Bethlehem so that everything in the past worked out just as God had said, even though it seemed impossible that that would happen. And so God would have you, dear Christians, and Christians all around the world to look at this and to see how God has carried them out and so that you would know that right now not one 
of God's promises will fail no matter how out of control things might seem to be, either in this world or in your life. And so God would have you cling to his promises, and God will work everything out for the good of those who love him. God said there will be trouble in this world, but he has overcome the world. God has said that he will come back on the last day to raise the dead and to give eternal life in the new heavens and new earth in resurrected bodies to all those who trust in him. God will do it. And so as you seem shaken by what is going on around us, cling to the God of the past for confidence in the future and cling to his promises. And so when John looks at the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he sees a lamb looking as if it had been slain. I'm guessing if if you've come to church often, you also realize who that is. That is also Jesus Christ. He he is a lion, right? The son of God, all-powerful. We can see that in the miracles. The root of David, he had royal blood in his in his humanity. But he is also a lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he was slain. He was crucified for the sins of the world. And and we see not only does God control the future, but we also see that God has taken care in Jesus of the biggest problem that we have. Because the biggest problem that you and me and people all over the globe have is not war. It's not financial turmoil. It's not a bad health diagnosis. As big as those problems are, and as much as God calls us to call on him in time of prayer, those are issues, but the biggest issue that you and me and all people have is that we are going to stand before a holy, omniscient, just God. And that in the balance is is heaven and hell. And and the problem with this is is that you and me and people from every tribe, language, people, and nation have things in our past that we don't want any other people to know about, shameful things that we'd rather hide, but they're going to be exposed before the Son of God. And even if you can't think of shameful things, and even if other people can't think of them, then the Bible says that all people are under sin and that no one will be able to stand up under the judgment seat of God without Christ. But Jesus has been slain. He is the Lamb of God. And his sacrifice on the cross for you takes away not only your sin, but the sin of the entire world. And so that we can stand with confidence before God, even though we have those sins, we can know and turn to Christ and know that they have taken away on the cross and we can stand before God in confidence. And so John looks at that lamb who has been slain and we hear something strange. This lamb who had been slain is standing. Slain lambs don't stand. But he is. Why? Because Jesus, the Lamb of God, rose from the dead. 
And so not only has Jesus taken care of our future, not only is it in his hands, not only has he given us confidence to stand before God, but he has also taken away the fear of death. Hebrews 2 says that he has freed those who all their lives lived in slavery by their fear of death. And God promises that he will raise up our bodies on the last day. This is great, incredible news. And, and this is the news that needs to be proclaimed in, in all the world, in war tour places where death is seen every day. It needs to be proclaimed as people that bury those they love. It, it, it needs to be proclaimed as we face our own death, as people around the globe face their own death, that trust in Christ who is slain for your sins and who was raised from the dead to give you confidence that death will not end you. And so as John hears all of these things, and as he, as he sees Jesus Christ, he hears this song in heaven that goes like this. It says, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Because Jesus was slain, he has purchased people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Our sins are forgiven. We have peace with God. And this unites us to Christians around the globe. God has purchased us with his death, the death of his son. This unites us to a man named Alan, who lived a violent life and was placed into prison in Mexico City, but there came to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and to know that Jesus purchased him, even him. This unites us to a woman named Rosa from Ciudad Juarez in, in Mexico, whose two sons in the last 12 years were killed by violence there, and whose husband in the last couple of years also died. It unites us to the hope and the forgiveness of sins and resurrection. It unites us to a man named Wakas who in Pakistan, a nation where it's dangerous to be a Christian, goes out and boldly proclaims the gospel. It unites us to Christians in Africa who daily struggle to get by but are putting their hope in Jesus and the resurrection. It unites us to the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus and heard the promise of eternal life. It unites us to King David who messed up his life with adultery and murder. It unites us to Peter, who denied Jesus three times. If these men can live with confidence before the judgment seat of Christ, knowing that their sin is forgiven, if people around the world in very difficult situations can trust in Christ and know that Christ will pull them through, then so can we live with confidence and be united to these Christians who are united by the common problem of the fear of the future, of sin and death. And so we hear these words, you have made them, us Christians, to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And maybe you're thinking, what? Reign on earth? I mean, aren't there a lot of studies and surveys that say Christianity is on the decline in the United States? Did, haven't we seen, like in the last 10 to 15 years, ISIS taking Christians in orange jumpsuits and beheading them? 
Don't we see Christians in Palestine suffering just like everyone else? What in the world does this mean that Christians reign on the earth? How? How? We reign because we are in the kingdom of God and we reign through the gospel that tells us we are free from the consequences of sin, death, that death will not end us. And when that good news of the gospel goes out, we reign on the earth. And as we take that message to our family, friends, and to all other nations, and we tell them that the devil has lost, we realize that the persecution, the death, and the turmoil is only Satan fighting a battle that he has already lost. And that is how Christians reign. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what a a wonderful thing it is to know that we are united to Christians around the world by the blood of Jesus. I was reminded of that serving in in a small church in the city of Leon in the state of Guanajuato in Mexico. As we celebrated the Lord's Supper, And up in front, gathered around in front of that small little church were people with different economic backgrounds, different political ideas, different problems in their families, different sins in their past. But they were united as that bread, the the body of Christ, was placed into their hands, into their mouths, and they heard, El cuerpo de Cristo dado por ti, the body of Christ given for you. And as they they took the cup, that wine, the the blood of Jesus Christ, and they heard la sangre de Cristo derramada por ti, the blood of Christ poured poured out for you. They were united there by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And in just a few minutes, we too are going to come forward to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But we don't take it alone, we come with others. And we don't just take it in here, but Christians around the world, united in faith, are given in their their hands, in their mouth, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we are united there to all Christians around the world. And what a wonderful picture we have of that unity here. And what a wonderful picture we have of the forgiveness of sins, of eternal life, and a confident future in Jesus who controlled the past, who died on the cross for our sins, and rose from the dead for our certainty. This is what unites us and all Christians. Amen.